From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Uh, Dr. Graham Downing is in the United Kingdom. He'll join me momentarily to discuss vaccines. Uh, Robert De Niro, terrific actor, has now stated publicly that he has very deep regrets about dropping the documentary film Vaxxed uh, from his uh, Tribeca Film Festival. Of course, that features... Um, some would say discredited uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield from the UK who uh, published in Lancet uh, many years ago about a possible link between the MMR vaccine and autism. He never said there was a causation. I don't even think he said there was a definite correlation, but he said, hey, there's something going on here. Let's look at it further. Of course, then Lancet retracted uh, that article and uh, it was a, a concerted effort to discredit Dr. Wakefield who was stripped of his license, and he now resides in Texas. However, this vaxxed uh, documentary is gaining tremendous currency, and uh, so we'll discuss, we'll have a rational discussion about vaccines. Uh, De Niro has an adult son with autism, uh, by the way. Anyway, so Dr. Downing, um, we'll be talking about his position on vaccines, the flu vaccine in particular, and we'll discuss whether vaccines are safe and effective. Uh, at long last, I finally have an air date for season four of my television program, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Very good news. Season four will debut across Canada on Vision TV on Monday, June the 27th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Mark this down. Monday, June 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern on Vision TV. And there'll be six brand new episodes coming your way. They'll air every Monday at 9 p.m through Monday, August the 1st. Again, Vision TV, Season 4, The Conspiracy Show, Monday, June 27th, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's the debut. Six brand new episodes airing every Monday at 9 through Monday, August 1st. Okay, let's talk vaccines. Dr. Graham Downing is a consultant in neuromusculoskeletal and functional medicine. He graduated from King's College, London University, where he trained in the clinical sciences and molecular biology and attended the Randall Institute as a research student while still under the directorship of Dr. Wilkins, Nobel Prize winner for his co-discovery of DNA, and the European Institute of Health and Medical Sciences, Surrey University, where he received a master's degree with a specialist area of research in psychoeuroimmunology in the clinical practice. Dr. Downing was invited to read for a Ph.D. at Oxford's leading research institute, Sir William Dunn School of Pathology, but decided on a clinical career instead. He's one of only two doctors in Europe that have received training at consultant level in diagnosis and treatment of internal medical disorders at the Texas Chiropractic College USA and Advanced Wilderness Medicine. Dr. Graham Downing, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well, thank you. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Great title. Flu, of course, F-L-U. Um, how do you, how do you deal with, with colleagues in, in your field, in orthodox medicine, if I can use that term, uh, over this whole issue of vaccinations? Because here in North America, we're told repeatedly, the science is in, it's over, there's no more discussion, you can't even have a debate really on the radio here. How do you, how is it over there in the UK? Well, I mean, it kind of started over here in the UK many, many years ago. This, this, this debate, uh, for one of a better term or, or word is, um, has been going on for like nearly 200 years. 
Uh, I mean, I'm in functional medicine, so I'm not an allopathic doctor. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's two types of people. There's people that are open and there's people that are shut, and that's it. So most people in allopathic medicine, orthodox medicine, are quite shut to this. And probably a fraction of a percent of those doctors have actually ever done any research. You, you, once you start to look at the research, your opinion changes. And I've been involved with science and healthcare for many, many, many years. And um, I don't just accept what I'm told. I, I look at the research and I investigate for myself. And you'll find that those are the doctors that will eventually step out and say, look, this doesn't look right. There's something not quite right here. And the way that I explain it, um, well, a good way to explain it is when you have uh, an, a hypothesis, an idea in science, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to say, right, here's my idea. And then you're supposed to attack that idea and try and knock it down and see if it stands up. And if it stands up, you say, right, well, we accept this idea. And, and a good example of that would be gravity. Because with gravity, you look at a tree, an apple falls down, and you say, right, okay, there's something moving that apple. And then wherever you go in the world and whatever type of tree you do and whatever side of the globe you're on, that hypothesis pretty much stands up. You'd never really see an apple go the other way. Now, the problem with vaccination and, and vaccine science is the hypothesis that it prevents infection, um, that it's relatively safe, uh, and that it has had made a massive impact on our health. When you actually look at the data, unfortunately, it doesn't stand up. In other words, when you start to look at the data, you start to see some of these apples going the wrong way. And if that's the case, regardless of what your stance is, if that's the case, then the hypothesis has to be challenged and has to be changed. We need a new idea. And unfortunately, staying with the old idea is costing us dearly, not just in, in dollars and pounds, but it's costing us dearly in our health and also in the lives of children. Uh, give us a sense, an overview of your philosophy on immunization or vaccinations in terms of efficacy uh, and safety. Uh, do you believe, for example, that, that uh, some vaccines are effective and some are safe or none are effective or none are safe? I think that the problem you've got is you need, uh, and I said this, I did a, did a conference uh, just a, a week ago, and it was incredibly well attended. We had standing room, well, not standing room, people were sitting on the floor uh, and sort of, you know, falling out the door to try and get space. And this was like, I gave one of these lectures at like nine o'clock in the morning, and it was incredibly well attended. And the problem you've got, and I try to get across, is you need honesty in science. Now, when you have money involved in a subject um, in any any area and human beings, you're going to get a problem. And the biggest problem we have in in pharmaceutical research, uh, medical science research, is honesty. Uh, this has been looked at by experts uh, in this field. And these experts have said time and time again that really when you look at the literature and look at the science literature that's used to support medicine and, and vaccine, vaccine technology and vaccinology, I suppose you could call it, probably you'll be lucky if 10% of that stuff that's published is accurate and honest. And this is the problem. You have, you're trying to sort out what is effective, what is right, what is safe, but you have very little data, very good, very little good honest data coming through that can help you make that decision. It, to answer your question, based on what I said right at the beginning, I don't think the, um, the, the, the philosophy of vaccines 
uh, be it that it prevents disease, is accurate. I think that uh, this is a this is a problem. I think it's a problem because of what I've just said with the fact that the, there is corrupt data. And I just don't think as a philosophy it stands up anymore. In terms of its safety, I don't think there's any doubt. There's any doubt that anyone looks at this and really looks at it and looks at the literature, the vaccines are not safe. Now you can divine, you could, you could delineate the level of safety. You could, you could argue, um, what that means and you could argue what that means in relation to any possible, um, benefit from vaccine. But then you go down the line and then you only go down the line of science and say, well, where is the benefit? Where's the research that proves the benefit? And that is a conversation that, that opens up a whole new doorway. Because when I was at university, I was told that they're great, they're safe, just get on with it. And when you look at the data, that doesn't seem to stand up. Uh, the, the, uh, the preservatives uh, that are used <clears throat> in, in vaccines, uh, people talk about thimerosal and they talk about aluminum and, and, in certain jurisdictions, we're told, no, those things have been removed. Uh, what concerns you most in terms of the ingredients in vaccinations? Is it the preservatives? Is it something else? Well, I mean, when I was, I was, I had a busy day today and, um, I thought, well, I'm going to speak later. And I thought, where do you start with this? And it is such a vast subject. It involves pretty much every area of science nearly um and it's so huge is where do you where do you start with this especially if you're a, uh, a parent because it's such a voluminous amount of information and look and then add to that the fact that the skullduggery that goes on it does go on and i spoke um, in detail about this at the last conference that i went to uh quoting published papers but I, I, I'm not happy with any of the things in the vaccine <laughs> i'm not happy with the um inactivated viruses or the attenuated viruses. I'm not happy with the, uh, the, I mean, I, I have lists of ingredients in front of me and, you know, it would make the average person's, you know, hair curl if it hasn't curled already or their toes curl or, or whatever. It's, inc- I mean, it's just the, the thought of this stuff, you would never, if someone was to pour a cocktail and put most of this stuff in it, you know, all the formalin, the aluminum phosphate, the aluminum hydroxide, the amino acids, polysorbate 20, polysorbate 80, neomycin, all these sort of things. If you stuck them in a drink and said, take them, people would think you're nuts. And then you get this stuff and you shoot it straight into a newborn child. It's, it's, it's lunacy. I heard someone mention this today and I, and I totally agree that 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, people will look back and just think, what the hell were they doing? What were they thinking when they did, when they put this stuff into children? Um, apart from the fact that you, you would you would have to be nuts to drink it yourself. The reality is, is there's significant science, significant science that shows that these things are not are not just not good for you. They're just not good to put in a human being. Dr. Graham S. Downing is with us. He's a consultant in neuromusculoskeletal and functional medicine, a graduate from King's College, London University, where he trained in clinical sciences and molecular biology. Um, uh, let me. Uh, we're going to head into a break here momentarily, but let me give you the lay of the land here in Ontario, where I am perched. And uh, this just came down recently. Our uh, our lovely provincial government wants to send parents uh, like me who have not had their children vaccinated, uh, and we can uh, we can apply for an exemption based on conscience or or religious uh, on religious grounds. Uh, all of those parents, uh, and luckily my children attend a, a, a private school. 
But if you attend a public school here in the province and you want to get an exemption, you now have to go to or complete a course. Uh, I call it a re-education camp. Uh, and uh, there you will uh, you will be subjected to all of this, you know, the, the pro-vaccination uh, case, the data, the reports, and so forth. Uh, and you have to sit there and listen to all of that as if parents haven't already done their due diligence. Uh, and then after that, and I'm not sure how long the course is, and this, this, is, a, this is a proposed bill, although they have a majority <laughs> government, it will pass. It, it's not law yet. Uh, then after that, after all of being subjected to that, if you still wish to exempt your children uh, from vaccinations, uh, you can. Uh, but they are at this, at this moment expelling children all over the province, uh, all over Canada from public schools because their vaccination records aren't up to, uh, up to snuff and so forth. It is just getting really nasty here. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you know, I, I literally have a mass of data and it's like, it's crowding it in my head to think, well, where do you start with this first? One tell, of the main- sorry, let me just jump in, uh, uh, Dr. Downing. We will, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll, we'll pick up on that point. Stay with us as we discuss the case against vaccinations right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Dr. Graham Downing. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. F-L-U, as in flu. And um, did you get any cease and desist orders for using that title <laughs> from the estate of Ken Kesey? Yeah, that was, I mean, that went down really well. What, can I tell you what astonished me is that, and maybe this shouldn't astonish me, is I talked to a, a packed room, uh, which was filmed. You know, it's going to go on some kind of disc, and I think they charge a few dollars for it, and it'll probably go on free onto YouTube down the line. Is that these most of these people were well-informed about various sort of political things, geopolitics. But people were stunned when I presented data, and that kind of stunned me. I thought that people knew um, the kind of stuff that I knew about vaccines and the science, but obviously they don't. And it was incredible because there were some very well-informed speakers from all over the world. I'm not sure if there's anyone. There may have been someone from Canada, certainly the States and, and, and other countries. And I was absolutely stunned that some of these people have never heard some of the things that I've said because... The reason why I titled it One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is because when you look at the science and then you look at what the orthodox physicians are doing, it, it doesn't make any sense. And when you try to talk to people about this, you, you tend to think, I, I think I'm in a lunatic asylum because the science is so clear on this. And the flu is a very uh, interesting uh, vaccine to talk about. Do you want me to talk about that vaccine? And I can the tell flu you vaccine. vaccine, yes, please, yes. Well... Once, uh, let me tell you this, and then we'll talk about informed consent, which I think something what you should be, <clears throat> excuse me, really aware of, and so, uh, a weapon that you can use. Uh, some of the work that I do, I'm an expert witness, so I understand how these things work and what trips up doctors in, in terms of informed consent. Please remind me of that if I forget. But I looked at research, and there was, um, we know that the damage done from vaccines. They, they meant to doctors are meant to report any abnormal reaction to a vaccine to something called the VAERS database. They have them in the States called the VAERS database. It may be called something different in Canada and in the UK. But it basically, any adverse events like the baby dies or, the, or you know, something terrible happens. And we were looking at this research and we know, we pretty much know it's been underreported, maybe one in a hundred. And then I looked at research which showed uh, a disease that was being tracked. And this disease is a kind of 
disease or a kind of problem you would associate um, with vaccines. So therefore, it should have been something that should have been alerted to this VAERS database. So you've got two things going on here. You've got the database over here for adverse events, and then you've got which this disease should be reported to if they see it in a child of a certain age because it's linked to vaccines. And then you've got this disease being tracked by researchers. Now, when they toted up all the stats on it, what they found was that the disease was being reported, underreported to the database to the to the number of one in 200, which is astounding, which means for every um, 200 cases of this particular problem turning up in the GP's practice, they were only reporting one. So we had through that, we had a measure of how much underreporting is done by these GPs. And then if you apply that to the statistics from this VAERS database for flu, you get an astounding uh, an astounding number of injuries that come from this one simple flu vaccine they give to the kids. I'm not sure what they call it in the States. I think it might be called, uh, in, sorry, in Canada, it might be flu mist or have you, have, has anyone approached you yet for, to talk about your children having this where they, they, in, they spray a flu vaccine up the nose of, of, of your children? Uh, I think I've seen that at their, uh, their pediatrician's office, but, um, and they're constantly calling us to remind us that our uh, vaccination uh, re- records aren't up to date. And <laughs> I say thank well, you for that, but no, no. Well, they haven't let pushed me give it you, they haven't um, There's it. lots of different reported effects. <clears throat> when they tell you about the vaccine, as they do here, they go, it's safe, there's no problem, don't worry about it. And they'll tell you, because I went through every single thing that's been reported for this vaccine, and then I applied the weighting that I told you about earlier based on science. You get things like diplegia, which is paralysis of corresponding parts of the body. Uh, that's averaging oh, something around maybe one, in the States, maybe one a month, one child a month. Then you get what's called post-ictal paralysis. That's about one a month. Uh, and then you get Guillain-Barre syndrome, which most people have heard of. And it's a kind of progressive paralysis, that kind of like a quicksand of paralysis that starts in the, um, in the distal limbs and then progressively moves centrally into your body. And it can arrest your breathing and you, you may need assistant breathing. Uh, people usually recover. Some people may not recover. Or some people may recover with some kind of paralysis. Now, but, bear in mind this flu vaccine is given to you with the, with the, no one's telling you it's causing a problem. I've estimated that since they started to, in the States alone, give that, that 42 children per month, every single month, have suffered Guillain-Barre syndrome as a result of that vaccine. And, but Dr. Downing, you know what the, the, the counter argument to that is, but the odds of, suffering that side effect are so infinitesimal because of the number of children being inoculated compared to the number of children coming down with that uh, with that side effect. How, how do we counter that argument? Well, the reality is when they talk about flu, what they, ha- they held a conference, um, the CDC, and um, I think it was Dr. Nowak who, who headed up the conference, and he said, look, we aren't shifting enough flu vaccine, so we need to do something about this. And the whole conference was about how do they get people to take this. And effectively what they said was they're going to do a scare, scare tactics. And they, they were talking to people in the press saying that you must use very, you know, must use words which will motivate people like this very severe, more severe than last year, very dangerous, even though none of this was particularly true. And they drilled up, they came to some ridiculous figure of deaths associated with flu, which is obviously the reason why you'd want to protect yourself. And they, what it was, they, they created a term called flu associated. What that mean was, whatever you got 
whatever happened to you, if they could find flu somewhere related to it, then that was counted in the number of the deaths. So I'm going to give you a really silly example here. But say you say something fell on your head and killed you and you had flu at the same time, then you probably would have been counted in that in the in the stats to say that you died with a flu associated death. Now, they didn't explain the mechanisms of that. They just told you just thought, oh, my God, all these people have died from flu. And it's just a it's just a pack of lies. So and and the reality, really, the, the thinking of giving children this vaccine isn't necessarily to protect the child. What it was thought to do was to protect older people because they they saw children as a reservoir of a problem for flu, which may be given to older people. And of course, the flu vaccine is known not to work in older people. So this was a, a kind of way of protecting older people. And the reality is, is that parents weren't told that. And also parents weren't told the truth about the associated deaths. Um, over inflating this number of and, and this this severe reaction with flu because it's it's a complete opposite when you look at the proper stats and the cdc um published data on the effectiveness of this vaccine and you, you couldn't make this up i mean it was just it's mind-boggling it's something like the effectiveness of this vaccine and bearing in mind the cdc has been caught out lying and so you know this is the best they can do it was something like minus 23 percent which means it doesn't work. So you're vaccinating your child against um, for something that they aren't going to be protected from in the first place. The vaccine doesn't work. The figures are overinflated, and the only thing that is the only thing that happens from that is that children could be injured in an incredible number and killed. And I estimate probably around 2,800 children have died as a result of using this vaccine, using the waiting that I described earlier. What For is what? It, what is if when it, when they say that a vaccine is effective? What do they mean by effective? Do they mean that it is simply effectively it is effective in creating an antibody for a specific disease? Uh, but I mean that doesn't necessarily prove that it can prevent a person from contracting that disease. What do they mean by effective? Well, I mean, you just you just answered the question eloquently. The reality is, is that this is all based on raising antibody titers, raising a particular arm of the immune system in the body to fight infection, which, you know, sounds great in theory. But the reality is I just showed you um, how effective that vaccine was. It was minus, which means it wasn't effective, wasn't effective at all. And the reality is, is that, you know, you can get. Um, they've done studies, there's children and there's, there's animal studies which, which don't have an ability to mount an antibody response and they successfully deal with significant infection because you have many arms to your, to your um, immune response and antibodies are just one of them. And the reality is, is that doesn't necessarily mean because you raise those antibodies that you're going to defend off an infection. The two just don't necessarily um, equal each other. So you're absolutely right. All they're really saying is it raises antibodies in, you know, in a test tube somewhere. But the reality is, is that I think there's a case going through at the moment, which showed that one of the, I won't name the manufacturer, but they gerrymandered the data. They mixed in uh, other antibodies to try and show, prove that their vaccine was quite strong. And in, in reality, it wasn't. And if you go on the web, you can easily find that information. You're, you're surrounded by corruption and you're surrounded by fake information and you're surrounded by people who are in officialdom who you should be able to trust, to be honest, and it's been proven time and time again that they're just not being honest and trustworthy, and it's, it's disgraceful. This goes all around the world. How are 
vaccines, the uh, the safety or, or effectiveness of vaccines studied? We're always told in in science, uh, of, you know, the scientific method, and that the the gold standard is the double blind uh, study. So, when they have a vaccine, I mean, is there a control group? Is there uh, a meaningful, you know, a control group? Uh, do they do they test vaccines using the double blind study method? Wow. I mean, so first off, how honest is the research? You know, and you're going to hear me bang on about the same thing because this is so important. How honest is the research? The research is not honest. As I've just said, you'd be lucky. You could go to the, the, the most leading medical journals in the world, including the Lancet, and the New, New England Journal of Medicine, and their own data um, state strongly that well over 90% of those published papers are not trustworthy. So the information that, whether it's double blind, single blind, random, whatever, the information that your doctors are relying on, your GPs, your consultants, is pretty much bogus. It's pretty much bogus. Now, when they do these trials, um, what you should do is you should examine and watch that patient for, you know, for many, many weeks, months, and years, and you should look down the line and see what effect putting this stuff into your into a patient has. For example, uh, autoimmune disease. We, we see, there is significant evidence now that shows that um, the animal viruses, the animal bugs, if you like, that are in that are in the vaccines that they can't screen and they can't remove uh, is, is linked to autoimmunity. You have the new um, the new dip, the diploid, the uh, human cell line bio, um, vaccines, which have human um, retroviruses in them and these things will cause problems in the body you have dna floating around in these uh, vaccines and the dna is i mean it's incredible let me let me give you an example of this you have the, these new these human cell line um, uh, vaccines the human dna that floats around they did a study on this and they said well how much of this DNA uh, actually gets incorporated into your genome, into your DNA, uh, and how quickly does it happen? And they, they set up a study to, to replicate what might happen after a vaccination. And an incredible 1% of your genome was changed. In other words, the DNA from the dead fetus incorporated into your DNA. So you become a kind of genetic experiment. And... What's astounding, how long did you think it took that to happen? Did they estimate it would take a lifetime, 10 years, 15 years, a month? How long do you think it took to happen? Instantaneous. It took 30 minutes. Right. 30 minutes. I, I nearly fell over. I mean, you're here, I do lots of interviews on, on YouTube. So I say this because I can't believe mm. 30 minutes. Well, I mean, that, to, to, that whole to, issue of bypassing the mucous membrane, which is the normal route a virus takes to get into the human body, bypasses the lymphatic system, goes right into the blood, right into the organs. Uh, I mean, that, there's something that, you know, counterintuitive, obviously, about that. If, if the immune system, you know, I, I'm a, uh, I believe in a creator. I mean, I think God did a, created a, a, an inc- a miraculous machine, the human body. Uh, and the immune system, I mean, I'm told that we get cancer, we all get cancer uh, continuously throughout our lives, but we have this immune system that's able to fight it off. I mean, why can't we just build up the immune system, let it do its job, 
And, uh, you know, if the virus comes along and has to pass through the, the mucous membrane, let the human body produce the antibodies. I mean, that's supposed, that's the way it's supposed to work. Let, let's uh, take a time out. We'll come back and uh, we can discuss that further as well. Dr. Graham Downing, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, pun intended. Right back with more. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We are back with uh, Dr. Graham Downing. Uh, give us a website, uh, Dr. Downing, where be, uh, people can uh, find out more. Well, I, I'm terrible at this, and I get sold off everywhere I go. We, I've been speaking and lecturing and teaching doctors and, and doing this stuff for a long time, and um, I'm absolutely rubbish at this. But what I do have a site up. We put this site up for a conference we held uh, before, uh, uh, a little ways back, and if you get onto that site and put your email in, then when the new site goes up, and I promise it is going to go up, uh, on that will be a load of information about this and also how you tackle these infections. The, the name of the site is 7, S-E-V-E-N, healthykeys.com. So 7 healthy keys keys is k-e-y-s dot com and if you get there you ignore what's on it but if you just put your email in there'll be a few places to stick your email in all right then, so it's um, under construction well, in other words it's yep. under and it'll be ready soon excellent um <clears throat> I, I was you know this is sort of getting right to the, the the nub of the issue about you know vaccines and 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 how they work and and i mentioned bypassing the mucous membrane and how doctors don't seem to know a heck of a lot about building up the immune system. Uh, I don't know how many courses in nutrition they take uh, in, throughout medical school. Somebody told me one. In seven years of medical school, they took one course on nutrition. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me, you know, that God did a pretty pretty uh, wonderful job in creating the, the, uh, the human body. Uh, and if we can simply, you know, build, build up, boost the immune system and allow it to do its job, it can fend off just about anything. Rather than, you know, stick this live virus right into the bloodstream where it can go right into the organs before the body has any opportunity to build up antibodies. I mean, that's very observant. The, I mean, look, I get what they're trying to do, and I understand it, but it's a 200-year experiment. And you know what? The hypothesis that it's going to work is uh, – I think that, that the vaccination ship is like the Titanic now. I really do think it's going to – as much as they're trying to push it and mandate it, they tried this before, and, and, they, and they got defeated because people start to see the results. And you can't compress humanity. You can't do it. Humanity will turn. Um, and to, to answer your, your, your question, the inferred question, I'll, I'll give you an example of a trial. Uh, it was a double-blind, randomized, and fully controlled a scientific trial and it was conducted in the University School of Medicine in Tokyo, Japan and people have heard of this and I'll say it because it's worth saying and they were talking about flu and they gave children daily doses of vitamin D3 and just what's called 1200-1200 IUs, international units just 1200 international units and that's not a huge amount if you're treating someone with flu, we would use a very high dose much higher than that over a short period of time but just to stick with this so initially they didn't see much difference in the, in, in the patients, but after a while in the children, those that built up uh, using this uh, daily dose of vitamin D3, they found uh, astoundingly that not only was it better, that it proved better than the vaccine, but it also proved better than the antiviral drugs that they were used. And I'll give you 
the stats, this is, this is what's written up in an international journal. It said the Japanese scientists writing in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition say that the antiviral drugs and illicit drugs, they only reduce uh, the risk of flu infection by 8% in children who have been exposed to infection compared with 50, that's 5-0% or greater reduction with vitamin D. Now, let me tell you, that's astounding. That should have been on the front of every newspaper on every TV channel. Right. And you know what? I, at the conference, I held up a list of if side effects due to vitamin D. And you know what? There was nothing on that list. Zero. A big, fat zero. Now, bearing in mind, you contrast that with what I just told you of the 40-odd children just in America alone paralyzed every month since 2003. There are possibly nearly 3,000 deaths. And on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And when you look at the effectiveness of that vaccine, it's minus. It doesn't work. Now, you tell me we're living in a sane society. You tell me that we have doctors that look at the research and we have doctors that are rational and are thinking clearly. The other, well, the big elephant in the room, I don't know how it works in the UK, but one of the things I find most disturbing... Uh, here is that you have you go to the doctor you need a prescription they write they write the script uh, but the odds are at some point that doctor may have been recruited to go on a speaking tour a an all expense paid uh, speaking tour in fact they then they get paid for the speech uh, to some you know uh, before some drug company uh, and that's a, a huge conflict of interest. They're they are they're being wined and dined by drug companies, uh, and then they're writing a prescription for that said drug. I mean, that ought to be against the law. I mean, it's funny you you say that. I mean, in in a sane world, absolutely should be against the law, um, but it isn't. And well, if it is, no one's being prosecuted for it. Or they should be. But this kind of malfeasance, this kind of skullduggery. Uh, it goes on, and there's, um, there's a, a paper that was published on the com- committee over here, Joint Committee on Vaccination Immunology, and this committee advises the government on what vaccines to give to kids and to adults, and the government says, okay, and they just carry on, they pass that information down. Well, the uh, Freedom of Information uh, request was made, and they received these documents over the last 30-odd years, and it showed an absolute catalogue of covering up, of suppressing research that would throw a bad light on vaccination, uh, promoting poor research that looked good for vaccination. Um, when they, uh, pub- they gave this, this freedom of information over and they gave these papers over, they redacted names of people on the committee. In other words, they removed their names. And the reason is these, these guys are saying, I'll paraphrase, paraphrase, sorry, they're saying, well, wow, there's information, you know, there's, there's obviously a problem with this vaccine, but you know what? This information might come out. People are starting to look. It's hope that we will avoid discovery. And then it says in the next line, oh, we haven't avoided discovery. And then blank, blank, blank suggests we do X, Y, Z. And they've taken their names off. And how can you have a public, uh, public body or an advisory body that, that, won't tell you their names. And of course, when people dig deeper, they start to find out some of these names. And guess what? Some of these people are being paid by the various 
the, the very same companies that are involved in making the vaccines. There you go. Listen, I've got to take a time out. When we come back, I want to get your take on the uh, the movie Vaxxed from cover up to catastrophe and uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Back with more of my conversation with Dr. Graham Downing as we talk vaccines right here on The Conspiracy Show. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. We are discussing vaccines with Dr. Graham Downing. He's uh, joining us in the UK uh, this evening, this morning. And uh, give us the website once again. We, I know it's under construction, but it will be up uh, uh, soon, and people should keep checking, and they'll get a, an email notice. The website again, Dr. Downing. There's a kind of old website up there, which we put on for a conference called 7, S-E-V-E-N, Healthy, keys.com k-e-y-s.com and just bung an email in and when the new site goes up we'll, we'll notify you all right so by now all of us are, are familiar late 90s uh, dr andrew wakefield published this study uh in in lancet suggesting vaccines caused autism and then um 2010 i think it was the study was retracted and his license was revoked uh, due to, uh, quote, ethical violations and a failure to disclose financial conflicts of interest and so forth. Uh, now, of course, we have this uh, documentary called Vaxxed from cover-up to catastrophe. It's an anti-vaccination film. And um, first of all, it was supposed to, uh, to, it was scheduled to premiere at the uh, the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival, and then it was withdrawn uh, by the festival. Uh, have you seen the, f- the film and, and what are your thoughts? I haven't seen the film yet, uh, unfortunately. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing it. I don't think it's aired here yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just coughing there. Yeah, um, I, I talked about this because the title of the, the, the talk that I gave was Vaxxed, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. And I opened up the talk when we talked about this movie and I opened up showing... Um, an article in one of the, 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 the national papers here. And of course it, it does what every paper does. When it, anything that comes up in vaccine, anything that comes up in research, anything to do with vaccines, you can never, ever, ever say they're unsafe. They will always twist the story and the story will always come out that the vaccines are safe, regardless of what the data says. And they were quoting a, a particular doctor from America who's saying that, you know, the, the movies is not that great and it's not telling you about the fact that he was struck off and blah, 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 blah. Long story short, the whistleblower um, in the story really has nothing to do with Wakefield in some ways. In other ways, it just confirms what he thought. Because you know what? He never ever said to anyone, don't vaccinate. And he, he never necessarily said that vaccines cause autism. Um, what he was just saying was that there's something not right here and we need to look more into it. There's but a correlation. He, there's a correlation, not causation. Yeah. Yeah, and because he's so prominent, you know, he's a pretty, pretty well-established and well-respected researcher and physician, they had to do, they had to cut his legs off, and they did, because they could not allow anyone of that stature to be indicated anywhere that there's a problem uh, with vaccines and any kind of link to autism. And then a stack of papers came out to disprove him, and I went through some of these papers and pulled them apart, as an expert witness would, to show actually... They were actually proving there was a cause, but what they did was they hid it in the data. Um, and if you want, I'll, 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 sh- I'll quote one of these papers. Yes, please. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to find it as, I, as we're speaking. Um, there was one in particular, and it was called the Danish study. And um, what they found in this Danish study, their conclusion after looking at all this data, this is where they, their conclusion, okay? So when your GP looks at it, when your consultant looks at it, this is what he reads. 
The conclusion says this study provides strong evidence against the hypothesis that the MMR vaccination causes autism. Now, let's be straight here. I don't necessarily think that the MMR necessarily does cause autism or is the sole cause of autism. I think it's a multifaceted thing. And in some cases, MMR may act in a way that may act with other factors to bring about autism. So we need to be relatively clear about that. But anyway, long story short, when you look at this paper, um, the authors, they only performed a clinical review of only about 13% of the cases. And you can, that, that's not, that's not, if you're going to do a study, that's not good enough. Many of the children were too young to receive a diagnosis of autism anyway, because in Denmark, they don't give it to about five years of age. So that is also problematic. But what they did was, and you see this time and time again, is they perform ad- adjustments. So this is the adjustment they performed to the data. Now, you do not need a science degree to work out that this doesn't sound right. What they said was, okay, what about what do we do with children that we think had autism before they had the MMR? So bearing in mind, they've now got a group of kids that have autism and have been vaccinated with MMR. And do you know what they did with this group? They took them and they put them, they included them in the unvaccinated group. Now, that is astonishing. They effectively took people who had 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 the MMR and had autism and they put them in the unvaccinated group. Now, when you did that, it massively skewed the data. Of course it would. Of course it would. How could they do that? Well, there you go. And this is what you see time and time again. Now, uh, a doctor called Dr. Blackshill was a clever guy, far cleverer than I. He looked at the data and he said, right, well, let's look at this as proper researchers without you know, trying to prove a point, and let's just analyze the data correctly. Now, he analyzed the data, and this is the result. Without, when you remove the skullduggery, he said, at the population level, the risk of autism was therefore 26% higher in the group vaccinated with the MMR, a calculations the authors never reported. And in fact, they reported the complete opposite finding. So the case is far from being closed. I mean, this is is not uh, this is not over. I mean, Doctor Andrew Wakefield, uh, in your mind, is he vindicated? I think that, in the sense that he never ever said um, you shouldn't vaccinate kids, and he never ever said, look, I think this is a, a cause of autism, and and this is it. I think that he was being very honest, and I think the hit job they did on him was 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 astounding, quite frankly, when you look at it in the depth of how they went to go after this guy. Um, the re- I think he's vindicated. He's vindicated because the reality is, is that when you look at these, and there's another paper I quoted, and there's another 11 papers, I think, that they released. And if you look at each one, there's huge skullduggery that's going on in these papers. Um, and as we, we alluded to in the beginning, the CDC whistleblower stated that what they did was when they found data that may have, may prove some link between the vaccine and autism. What they did was they destroyed it. They met in a room, they got the data, and they chucked it in a garbage can. Now, that's not science. And these people at the tip, they're at the top of the tree, the government scientists. Now, whether or not they, they're actually backtracking on that now, and they're going to try and reinvent the data to make out there isn't a connection. But regardless, they, they, it shows you what happens when anything dares attack uh, vaccination, they lie. And they t- and that's only the only one we know of. How many do we not know of? The classic example that, uh, again, I'll call them the orthodox physicians, the drug companies, the advocates for vaccines, the the example they always show up, they throw up is, is polio and how vaccinations have virtually eradicated uh, polio. 
Um, but then the counter-argument to that, from my understanding, is that what really, if you look at the, I guess, the, the, uh, the, the you know, the historical uh, charts and so forth, <clears throat> what cured polio uh, was sanitation, improved sanitation. Uh, you know, people like uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt got polio supposedly, and used to like a lot of children <coughs> used to go for a, a swim in the Hudson River, and 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 uh, poor sanitation. He caught polio like millions of children around the world. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, do does the historical data show that that the vaccine eradicated polio or improved sanitation? Well, once again, you come down to what is honest. And when I went through university, one of the universities that I attended, you were just shown data, you shown here comes a vaccine, there goes a disease, happy days, go get your shot. Now, when you look back as you have done and you actually look at all the data, you realize that's not the case. Um, these, all these diseases were declining way, 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 way before they brought in these shots. Now, you can argue backwards and forward, but the data's there. And I take you back to the original thing I said. If the hypothesis of vaccination is correct, then you will not find that data. You will just find the same thing over and over again showing that it works. And the reality is it doesn't, and we have to address this. Polio, I mean, they, the reality with polio is, I mean, you've got, what they did was they brought in this the vaccine, actually caused uh, an outbreak of polio with it, um, which you, if, you, if you actually look back into the data, you, you'll know. And what they did was they had to, the way they got rid of it, they got creative. They changed the criteria of diagnosis. They changed the diagnosis to acute flaccid paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you see is you see a chart of polio allegedly disappearing, but you see acute flaccid paralysis just take off, off to the moon. And they and also other other diseases which you might know of now would have been called polio, like meningitis, Guillain-Barre, transverse myelitis. All of these things people would have said were, pol- uh, were polio before. And a clear example of that is India. The Indian government was reportedly suing a very famous Mr. Gates um, because of his involvement in a, in a vaccination program. And people have argued this backwards and forwards. But the reality is, is they went over, they vaccinated. And there's almost a direct correlation between the vaccines going in and over 50,000 people getting, wait for it, non-polio acute flaccid paralysis, which is clinically identical to polio. The only difference is it's twice as deadly. And you find this often the case that when you vaccinate, you, you almost create the problem you're trying to stop, but you create a more virulent, a much stronger problem. And, you know, there's papers written on this, and it's astounding that um, medical physicians don't open their eyes and, and their ears and actually just become independent doctors again because it's most likely the same there as it is here. They've lost their independence. You know, they just they seem to be just salespeople for drugs companies and they just do as they're told and they follow protocol and they don't challenge anymore. The data is there. You know, apples are going the wrong way. Therefore, their theory, their hypothesis has got to be removed. They ha- we have to have a different way of doing this. And, and my understanding also, uh, listen, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but I, uh, based on the reading I've done, in, in jurisdictions where they have had concerted polio vaccine campaigns, uh, they can never get the upper hand. Uh, in places like India, I mean, up in, uh, I think in 2011, they declared India polio-free, except, as you point out, they had like a 12-fold increase in, in uh, this paralysis condition. But until they address basic sanitation... They can never get on top of polio. 
Well, I mean, you're absolutely right, and it's called polio provocation, is that you give the vaccine and you cause the disease you're trying to stop. It's even come from other vaccines like um, a diphtheria tetanus pertussis vaccine. That's caused polio as well in the past. But I'll give you the, 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 the one classic disease everyone talks about is smallpox. Yes. And, well, smallpox, smallpox. Well, you can pull all the charts up from, and prove that it didn't eradicate smallpox from donkeys years ago. But let's use something more current. Let's use... Uh, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, okay, which was a presentation to the CDC. And this was in 2000 and June, June 19th to 20, by the infectious disease expert called Dr. Mack that no one would have probably ever heard of. But he is the most experienced man with dealing with polio, uh, sorry, smallpox. He worked in India and he, he tackled this disease for 40 years. And let me tell you what, what he says. He said, what would, if there was a terrorist attack introducing this into the States, what would you expect? He said, I would expect a small number of cases. He said, it's very difficult for this thing to spread. Okay, that's the, that's the first thing he said. He said, well, shouldn't all doctors and emergency room workers be vaccinated? I have the opinion, he said, that doctors and emergency room workers should not be vaccinated a priori as a category. I think this is true because there's a little likelihood of them catching the disease if they're exposed. He then says, well, what about general vaccination? He says, unexposed community members have a negligible risk. There is a substantial risk from a vaccine. As you'll hear in a moment, it is the single most dangerous live vaccine. And I'm just going to tell you just very briefly, last things he said, he says, what about informed consent? He said, look, if you want informed consent, he said, if it's honest, you'd have to say that the dangers would exceed the benefits of being vaccinated. And he said, but did, then they asked him, did vaccination eradicate smallpox? Now, this is the $10 million question. And we have about 60 seconds here, uh, doctor. So, okay. He said, if people are worried about endemic smallpox, it disappeared from this country, not because of mass uh, herd immunity. It disappeared because of economic development. And that's why it disappeared from Europe and many other countries. And it will not be sustained here, even if it was several importations, I'm sure. It's not from the universal vaccination that got rid of it. And that's the expert. Ah, informed consent, that's the rub, isn't it? And uh, that seems to be, they don't, uh, they want to eradicate that from, that term from the lexicon. Uh, Dr. Graham Downing, thank you so much for this, I appreciate it. It's been very kind, I've enjoyed it, and I need to get to bed. <laughs> All right, off to bed for sure, as they say. Dr. Graham Downing. All right, my website, strangeplanet.ca, say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett, and as always, follow the truth. Mm-hmm.